Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Scientific Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Bury, and joining me from Morgantown, West Virginia, virtually, it's Darren Shrewsbury, Jr. Darren, how Doing are all right. you We've got a guest today, Darren. We have ourselves the first guest in show history. Please welcome a teacher and coach at Light Ridge High School and a friend of mine since I was in sixth grade, Mr. Joey Ray. Joey, I'm doing good, guys. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. So let's get right into this because I want to know a few things. I want to know what's it like for you being on a football staff right now? And I know you and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, how this is a new school. So there's not really a whole lot to go off of, but there are still challenges in place with the pandemic. What's it like for you being on a football staff um, right now? First of all, the, it's awesome to finally uh, get into off-season training and get to know the kids. Um, we have some spectacular kids up here at Light Ridge. You can tell they're very respectful, very well-mannered. And after being off for so long, the nice thing is they're really hungry for some football. So everybody has come into these off-season conditioning trainings, ready to work, uh, ready to motivate their teammates, and ready to be leaders. Um, so it's a pretty exciting time for us, although it is definitely a challenge with the ongoing pandemic and the VHSL's ruling to postpone football until the spring. You mentioned that when you, when that ruling came down, what was your reaction to that? My reaction personally, um, you know, it is what it is. So you kind of have to roll with the punches and being a new program, uh, this may actually be a blessing in disguise for us. It gives us a chance to build a culture around our program and around the rest of our athletics it also gives us a chance to kind of be on some even footing with uh, other teams that we'll play. So with established programs getting kind of put on hold, um, we're all allowed to do the same things right now. Our school currently isn't completed, so our campus isn't available. August 3rd, which was yesterday, is kind of a blessing in disguise for Light Ridge football. And then for me personally, I was – Almost uh, a sigh of relief just in that now I'll begin my teaching career without any extracurriculars going on in the evening. So may get to serve my students a little bit better in the classroom as well now. What are you going to teach? Honors in general chemistry. Mm. Yeah, that's right. I was You're very bad at chemistry, but it's close. <laughs> 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 well, I didn't even take it, so that you're better than I am. So, uh, oh boy, that that should be good. Well, first of all, good luck to you. Number Thank one, you. It, it being you know, my mom taught for a long time. She taught 21 years in Fayette County, and I always have a bunch of respect for teachers. And when I heard you were going into the profession, I was kind of shocked, but I also think you'll do really well. Because I know you have a way of connecting to people and then you have a way of getting across your material. And that's what people need. You, you, there's one thing, there's something about, you can't just stand up there and lecture. You've got to get through people's heads. And you have a way of doing that. I, I genuinely believe well, I that. I appreciate that. And coaching, it, coaching it's the same way. Coaching is just teaching with a with football. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. My whole philosophy in football and in basketball and in the classroom is that everything kind of builds off of the relationship you have with your players and with your students. And if there's mutual trust and mutual respect, um, I'll do anything for them. And I know they'll do anything for me as well. 
And that's the kind of attitude I try to bring to practice in the classroom every day. I agree with that. So let's, let's move on here. I want to know, you played rugby at Virginia Tech. Rugby is not a varsity sport at VT, but it is still a sport. And I want to know, if you were playing now as an athlete, how, what would be your mindset and your reaction to the pandemic, if, assuming it would cancel a, a, a club like rugby? Yeah, it would definitely be a hard hit, especially for a club team. I know the NCAA has players an extra year of eligibility for reasons that are canceled, but that's just not the case. Um, while we're a club team in Virginia Tech, uh, we do compete with varsity programs, so it would be different for some club guys because we don't really have much scholarship money. So we we don't really get an extra year. We just um, we just have to take it as it is. So I think it would be important to have a growth mindset. Um, I would probably be diving into my studies quite a bit more, but also just trying to stay fit, stay focused. The hopeful spring season that they'll have at VT this year. Hopefully. Uh, I, I remember, just a side note, I remember when uh, you all were playing in the uh, rugby tournament up at Philadelphia. And I watched that, and I was having a moment where I went, I've known this guy since he, I was in sixth grade, and here he is playing on ESPN. That was really a cool moment for me. That genuinely was. I, I, I am not a Virginia Tech guy. Anyone who knows me knows I am. I, if you cut me open, I probably bleed gold and blue. But yeah, for that time, I rooted for Virginia Tech because I, I knew someone on that pro, in that program, and I have an immense respect for you. And that was really just a cool moment. It really was. And I, 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 that's not, I'm not here to get emotional, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't because that was really, really cool for me. And I can't imagine what it was like for you. Yeah, it was a blast being on ESPN and playing in front of so many people. But it means even more when you say something like that. So I really appreciate it. And thanks for rooting for the Hokies for at least a couple of days. Yeah, not happening again. <laughs> just saying not happening again. I understand. <laughs> Oh, boy. Speaking of Virginia Tech, they're in the ACC, and the ACC adopted a very interesting uh, football scheduling format. The idea is they will play 11 games over 13 weeks with two built-in bye weeks, 10 conference games, and one non-conference game. But the non-conference game has to be played in the state of the home of the ACC team, which means West Virginia and Florida State, that game must be played in Atlanta. That cannot be played in Atlanta. It ha- would have to be played in Florida, at, as in at FSU. That game's been canceled. But here's my question for you, Joey, and Darren, you can get in on this too. When you see a quirky schedule like that, and you see one non-conference game, and you see 10 conference games, what do you think about that? Because it's not... It's not something we've ever seen before. Usually we see three non-conference games and nine conference games set for the SEC where it's eight and four. So here's my question. Again, what do you think when you see all those conference games? Is it good? Is it bad? Or do we not know yet? I think it's hard to say for sure. Um, I think it could potentially be good for the conference. Um, it. I think those – top teams in the conference are going to have a tough time going into their conference week in and week out. 
and having to beat everyone um, and beat rivals every week. So I think that'll definitely be a challenge, even for teams like Clemson and Florida State if they get back on track. And Notre Dame as well coming into the conference, I think we'll have a real challenge um, going from independent to playing a full ACC schedule. Uh, that'll be an interesting challenge for everyone involved, I think. But I do think it'll be good. Um, I, I think it'll be good football. It'll be fun to watch, and it'll be an interesting experiment. And maybe, you know, it'll pave the way to uh, maybe an expanded playoff where we have five power five conference champions going to the playoff and then three at large. But I guess only time will tell. I actually didn't realize that they, uh, uh, as I was aware of all this, but I wasn't aware that they will effectively getting rid of divisions for this season uh, in the conference. Yeah, so they will literally be playing the top two teams in the um, in the championship. Con- so, yeah, yeah, like the yeah. Big Twelve so does. It, it, I think it will add add a little extra challenge there. Like Joey said, it'll it'll keep it, uh, those guys on their toes. But it'll also be interesting because it'll probably come back to what we've been discussing for a while is if playing conference or maybe even one or uh, non-conference games uh, or just the one, then you really start wondering, well, how do we decide who de- owns that spot in the playoffs, which then I get, uh, which I had I also hadn't thought of. How does that affect how we look at the, the playoffs going forward should we consider that that expanded playoff even more i i i guess we'll find out but it'll certainly be interesting i can't say if it'll be for the good or for the better but hopefully after this season we'll have some idea joe do you remember coach Gant at uh, of course yeah i had him for history class and played a year of soccer for him i debated him in his history class of a debate we could just pick whatever I picked for a college football playoff. This was in the BCS days. And I basically said, then I want this. I want five power five, one group of five and two at large. I wanted eight teams because I don't know how here's the thing in the current playoff model in the current new year's six model, the highest ranked group of group of five team gets in, gets a, a new year's six bowl game. And yes, they're probably going to get blown out in a playoff. Like let's say Western Michigan went to Alabama. We know who's winning that game for the most part. It would take a major shock on Western Michigan's part to beat Alabama. So it probably won't do you much good, but I think you have to include them in it for the sake of saying this is not just a Power 5 sport. And I've been a proponent of this. If you read my uh, website, I actually did a, a, a series where I took the playoff each year in, ex- in existence since 2014. And I've added four more teams based on that season's college football playoff rankings. And I have taken that and I basically said, here's one versus eight, two, seven, three, six, and four, five, and gone my way down to the national championship game. I have been a proponent of this for a while, and I agree. I, I, I think it would be good for that. But I just, I hadn't thought of that until now, but I agree with you because to me, this is the one season where you have to have everyone in on it because to you have to say, look, if you win your conference, you're in because I can't base a, like Darren said, if someone's playing a non-conference game and someone isn't, I can't take that non-conference game and hold it against someone who didn't play it. I just can't. If, if the big 12 and ACC play a non-conference game and the big 10 doesn't, 
which the Big Ten isn't. They're playing conference only. If the Big Ten only plays conference and Ohio State goes nine and zero, but someone else goes nine and one, you know, but ten and one, what can I do? I can't do anything. I have to. I have to give it to Ohio State because they won the conference. That one game in play shouldn't be held against them, especially not now, because we're in a situation where we don't know that you're going to get all ten games in. We have no idea. For all we know, there could be an outbreak in a, in a locker room, and a game could be canceled for two weeks. We have no idea, and if there's no way to make that game up, we don't. We have to go with it. So this is the one season to me where you have to have everyone in on it, and everyone ha- you have to go. When you're confident, you're in the playoff. You will figure it out from there on out. Even if you have to have it be a playing game, four versus five, and the winner gets number one. Even if they have to do that, I'm fine with that. Just so long as everyone gets their gets their piece of the pie, that's just, that's as far as I'm concerned. That's the reason, or that's what you have to do. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I also think uh, with most of the Power Five only going to one out of conference game, it's a pretty small sample size to try to disqualify uh, one conference from joining that playoff. So I'd definitely like to see that. Um, play out with maybe a playing game. I'm a little wary of going too deep into the playoffs because every year we, we end up seeing at least one blowout win in the semifinal. Mm-hmm. And I think when you start getting down yeah. towards that seven or eight or even reaching for, you know, a group of five school, you, you know, like chance, chances are um, there's probably going to – there will be the occasional upset, of course, but I think we just see such a big discrepancy in talent from those top – one or two teams down to the bottom um, that it's normally pretty telling. And uh, I'm not sure that making those top teams play an extra game is really in the best interest of like the quality of football that we get to see as consumers. And uh, there's a question of player safety with an additional game as well. That's true. Uh, It's worth noting that most conference championship games are scheduled for the first weekend in December. Now they're being moved either the 12th or 19th back from the 5th. So there is, in theory, room to do that. But here's the thing. If, if, if we accept that bowl season will be canceled, and we'll get to that in a second. If we accept that the bowl season outside of the playoff will not exist this season, then you have that scheduling autonomy to be able to do that, a playing game. But you have to worry about, okay, the college football season has to end at a certain date because what we want to do is we want to make next offseason as normal as we possibly can so that when we're going into 2021, we don't have to worry about anything booting a pandemic. That's why people are so against FBS spring football is because if you did that, you would completely ruin uh, the offseason and the, and the amount of time players have to get healthy, coaches have to reset. It, you would completely throw the balance off unless you postpone the season to like mid-October. And that's not going to happen. There are so there's so much stuff that goes into this. You're not going to get it to work. But because I and again we'll get into this in a second because I believe that the bowl season will not be will not be played. There is an opportunity to do that. There is a great opportunity to say, okay, here it is. This is what we're going to do. We're going to have a playing game, and then we're going to go from there. Because you're only you're only potentially harming a fifth team. Anyone disagree with that? I don't think I don't think I have anything to to refute that. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's let's move on to the it's the same basic scenario in the Big Twelve. It's nine games and, and then one, so it's ten total. 
plus the Big 12 ch- championship game. Uh, personally, I, I, I think we've already know West Virginia's schedule because I think the non-conference game is going to be Eastern Kentucky. That's the only game that hasn't been canceled yet. Maryland got canceled when the Big Ten moved to conference only. The ACC canceled Florida State. To me, there's no other way around it. West Virginia will be playing Eastern Kentucky on September 12th in the season opener. I don't see any way around that. Unless something changes, I don't see it changing. So here's my question. For a conference that does not has never had, at least in the new iteration of it, a 10-team Big 12, which is still so weird to say, uh, in a 10-team Big 12, are you fine with 9 plus 1? Or would you have been more uh, prone to, or would you have preferred more to try to get another conference game in, or what would you, what would you prefer the Big Twelve do? I think if you throw in like another conference game, that would have you would throw in the chance of having one team play the top team twice in a season, um, outside of the chance of that happening at the big the, the championship game, of course. So, um, and then you could have you know two weak teams playing each other vice versa. It would throw in some weird winches where it might not be fair to say, hey, Kentucky, you're bottom of the barrel. You get to play Oklahoma twice a year uh, or twice for this year and just get your butt handed to you. Um, and then by the same token, go play Kansas yeah. twice a year. So that would be – oh, did I say Kentucky? I meant Kansas. Yes, you did. Yeah, I think you were just talking about – I was thinking of Eastern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You're, you're thinking yes. basketball. Get, uh-huh. get ahead of ourselves now. Yeah, Kansas. My bad. Um, so you'll have them getting their butt handed to them, hypothetically, by Oklahoma twice uh, in the season. And, you know, that that wouldn't be fair for them, but it would also not look too good. It wouldn't help Oklahoma's case, for example, if they were to win the Big 12 and go into that, oh, you're going to make the college football playoff scenario because, sure, you might have went 10-0 and or 9-1, and but you beat Kansas twice. Is that is that really an extra? Is that does that game going to help you? If I beat Kansas twice, as opposed to you know the ACC coming out and Clemson whooping everyone in the ACC, does it really? I don't know. Does it does it even out, or is it because you play this this same team twice hurt you more than it helps? Oh, then you know we'll forbid be... you get oh, beat ahead, by Kansas twice. As Oklahoma, oh, no. or, or once even, you go nine and one and get beat by and split the the season with Kansas. Uh, that certainly doesn't help you. No, you know what would be interesting if the if the if they had done this and they didn't, thank goodness. But if they had done this, if your extra game was another version of your biggest rival, like Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Texas, uh, Kansas, Kansas State, uh, Baylor and TCU, I guess by default would have to be that. Uh, or Texas Tech and someone, West Virginia, Iowa State. Oklahoma State would probably be left out there. We, we, they might make it be Bedlam twice instead of Oklahoma, Texas. They might put Texas, TCU, and Baylor, Texas Tech. But either way, that would be fun to see, especially if you had a, uh, a, a non-crowd there. If the crowd wasn't there and you just had to go and play, it would take the Bedlam out mm-hmm. of Bedlam. It would be really interesting to see. Yeah, quite interesting. And then there's that there's that weird potential, you know, not impossibility that those teams, you know, if it's Oklahoma, Texas or Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, could play three times in that year. There's that weird mm-hmm. chance that you'd see. That would be extremely weird <laughs> to think about. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting. 
uh, an interesting thing about, but also weird. Do you remember? Do you remember when they moved the uh, rivalry games off the last week of the season, so they wouldn't have the possibility of them being back-to-back games in the conference championship game a few years ago? For some reason, I do not. They did, and I got really mad about it because I don't understand why there's such an adverse feeling to that. To me, I understand the football side of this. I do. But as a fan, I'm looking at this like Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma last week, and Oklahoma's getting a chance in immediate revenge. I love that storyline. I love that. I don't know how you move Oklahoma, Oklahoma State to like early November. So you've got a month left before they would play again. I, I just don't get it. I understand. I, I guess I do in some respects, but I'm also like, that's a heck of a good storyline because you're looking at it like, hey, they lost last week. Go get them now. It's a great thing. And if you had an extra conference, an extra conference game, and you're right, there could be a possibility of Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State could play. Uh, three times uh, in a season and potentially two times in a row, I'm still fine with that. I honestly am. I don't have a problem with it. I genuinely don't. Just like if if a basketball team plays a certain team and then plays in the last regular season game, then plays them a few days later in the first round of the conference tournament. Does anyone have a problem with that? No. Why do we have a problem with it in football? I don't get it. I can't disagree there. Joey? Or not. The Red Box Bowl was canceled. And we talked about this last week. I kind of surprised you, I think, Darren, with my, uh, with my, um, with my uh, statement that the bowl season is likely to be canceled entirely. I just don't see how we can still play it. So here's my question to you. When I told you that the Red Box Bowl was canceled, after I told you what it was, uh, what did you think? Yeah, literally, my first reaction was, "What's the Red Box Bowl?" I, I, for some reason, I wasn't thinking football when you said Red Box Bowl. I have no idea what I was thinking. But then, of course, see, there's a bowl they made out of a big red <laughs> box. That would be fun to be in. But so when you told yeah. me, I was like, okay. And then, of course, when I when you reminded me, that's a bowl game, Darren. That's where they play football. <laughs> um. I I was thinking, well, there's that domino. Like, we're just seeing the continuation of the dominoes falling, and this one happens to be branching into bowl season. Um, I fully expect there to be more bowl games canceled, if not all of them, especially if um, – because this one, I actually was looking up the article. It's in San Francisco, which California is yes. still kind of dealing with the the pandemic right now a little more than – other places um so i guess in terms of well we're getting hit pretty hard let's cancel now uh i could imagine that some of the other places that are getting hit hard might start following suit um in anticipation that they won't have it handled by then uh and then again some places might not uh, knowing how some of the states are or kind of laissez-faire about the whole thing but hopefully this the ones that need to be canceled are canceled as much as I hate to say, Oh, less football. Let's just cheer for that. It, it's still kind of the, 
the necessity at this point. Let me read off to you the eight the bowl games that are played in Florida. And I think you know why I'm mm-hmm. bringing this up. The Cheez-It Bowl was played in Orlando. <laughs> the Orange Bowl we know was played in, in Miami. Yes, I said Cheez-It. Cheez-It Bowl. The Outback Bowl was played in Tampa. The Tax Slayer Gator Bowl was played in, in Jacksonville. The Citrus Bowl was played in Orlando. The Camping World Bowl was played in Orlando. The Cura Bowl was played in Orlando. The Boca Raton Bowl was played in Boca Raton. And the Gasparilla Bowl was played in Tampa. You, uh, the Orange Bowl will probably go on if it is, in fact, a playoff semifinal, which I don't remember if it is or not this year. If it is, they're fine. But if it isn't, look for just about everything else to be canceled. I don't think you're going to have any bowl games in Florida this year. I just don't. I would be genuinely shocked if there is. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Let's see. Who are the... 2021, 2021. Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl are the semifinals. Okay. Okay. So we're going back to the original, which is the first. Okay. So the Orange Bowl might be on the chopping block. It very well might be. I, I think the New Year's Six will probably forge forward, but I don't know. And that's the big key here. Everything else I think will fall, will fall, will fall. Will just fall like flies. I don't think anything else is going to be. I think it's going to be a bare minimum season, as in you know conference games, one non-conference game, playoff. I don't know how you go about and say, okay, go up and play in Florida, or play in Arizona, or play in Michigan, or wherever. I just don't know mm-hmm. how you do it. Yeah, if the whole if the whole season's been been revolved around let's cancel as many non-conference games as possible then yeah and then go out and play someone from another conference in a bowl game in another new area for both teams then yeah you do kind of throw in that uh that wrench for for mitigating that spread plus let's be honest the bowl game is not just the game and it's the experience around the game teams often go down like a week or so before the game and they engage in different activities the bowl game puts mm-hmm. on whether it be community service or going to a theme park or whatever the case may be, different each bowl game is different. In this kind of season, you can't do that. You're gonna have to be just go down there, play the game, mm-hmm. and go home. And that's not a bowl game. That is a conference game. That is a regular game in the middle of October. That is nothing special about that. And a bowl game should be special. It should be something where, you know, you get to enjoy it. And yes, I feel bad for seniors who don't make the playoff, who really wanted to go to a bowl game in their last season. I genuinely do feel bad for them. But I just don't know how you go about it in any other way than cancel the bowl season. I don't know how you can go forward and say we can still do this. I just don't. Given what it is and how it has to be put on, there's no way. Yeah, and then I mean, I would have to imagine that they they would be cutting attendance as well like there would not be nearly as high as attendance and in a game like the rose bowl for example where you it holds what hundred thousand people that that's an yes. atmosphere that college football players want to be in they want to that's that's the big game other than the national championship right so that the granddaddy surrounded by a hundred thousand people whether you know, half of them approximately being fans for you just that atmosphere you lose a lot of that as well and that just takes away from that spectacular moment of making it to such a bowl game. 
the Rose Bowl seats 92,542. Uh, 92, the record attendance is 108,869 for the 1973 Rose Bowl, in which, let's find out, USC beat Ohio State. It's a lot. Just a fun it's fact. A lot of, of people in one area. And you mentioned the Rose Bowl. They canceled the parade. Oh, oh my. Already. I didn't see that. The Rose Parade has been canceled. So, yeah, I, you, tell me how you plan on doing on playing the game if you cancel the Rose Parade, which we love college football, but the Rose Parade is probably more beloved than the actual game because the game is only beloved by people who love the sport. The Rose Bowl, the tournament of Rose's Parade, is loved by people who don't love mm-hmm. college football. And there are, and as hard as it is for us to fathom, people like that yep. exist. So here, here's my overall question, and, and this is kind of the whole theme of the, of, the, of the show. When we look at how this college football season will be played, what do you think it will look like, and what do you think of what it will look like? Honestly, it it's really is going to be almost as bare bones as you can as you can get it, for the most part. Especially if you and we do end up seeing the the cancellation of the bowl games. It'll be hey, football's back, but it'll be equivalent to that really quick high, and you'll just be gone. It'll it'll be gone quicker than we imagined. We've been waiting for it. This hits. We uh, you know the pandemic hits. We sit here and wait, what's the season going to look like? And now we find out it's going to be, you know, quite, it really is going to be quite bare bones. So we're going to get that satisfaction of seeing it back, but it really won't. I don't think it'll be as exciting as any of us would want it to be. And, you know, that's just how that's going to end up being. I'll be happy to see football back, but um, it's also going to be interesting as you brought up the, what if games end up being canceled because of outbreaks within locker rooms? It's bound to happen. I, I can't see a scenario in which it doesn't happen to at least one or two programs. See Major League yep, Baseball. See Major League Baseball. They did it within the first week. So I, In two teams. So I can't, I can't imagine that it won't happen with college football or even the NFL. Um, I would say the NBA, but they seem to have things handled pretty well. And I applaud them for that. Yep. The NHL too. I have to, I have to bring that up. That's part of the NHL. Yeah, I, I had, hadn't. I wasn't aware of how they were handling it so far. So I figured you. The NHL could. has zero. The NHL has zero cases in both Edmonton and nice. Toronto, among twelve teams each. Are they? They're and operating. Staff. Are they operating in a, a bubble style? Ask two. Okay. Yes. Yes, we can go into that. I'll go. I'll. I'll give you the details after you finish your point. Um. Well, that's about it. I mean, really, I, I do, ex- I do expect right. it to kind of be that we're satisfied that it's here, but we're not as satisfied as we could be because we know there's something left out on the table. Fair enough. And, and yes, I agree with you. Here's the thing. Football season always goes by fast. We're ready to go on Labor Day. Then we look back in October like, we're halfway through the season already? Where'd that happen? How'd that, where'd that go? So it's, we've seen it before, and you're right. To, to, to have it start in mid-September or late September, depending on how, how your conference is operating, and then go into, like, November, you're like, wait, we played six games already. We're almost done. How'd that work? So, yes, I agree with you there. Uh, in response to how it will, will look, again, bare bones, bowl season, you can forget about it. 
the the New Year's Six outside the playoff may well be canceled too. They might try to find a way to reward like Georgia or Michigan or Sue or someone else, Texas, if they make it from the Big Twelve. Uh, you might find a way to reward them, but as far as like, I hate to say it, but your group of five, you're you're screwed. You, you, there, there's no way they're gonna reward a Central Michigan team or a Toledo or a Nevada or a Marshall or whatever. They're just not gonna do it. They're not going to put those people who really, especially for you know, like the Mac or something like that, who could use the money from uh, a mm-hmm. bowl game. Even though most schools lose money on a bowl game, still that money, it's not bad. So I still think uh, well, they're going to play a season. I, I, I firmly believe we will see a college football game played in a matter of weeks. I don't know how long will be from that, and I don't know what it will look like, but I firmly believe we will see a college football game next month. I firmly believe that. The question is, and here's the thing too. We knew, we normally see rust with you know, we see a lot of false starts and holdings and, and delay games and stuff in the first week or two of the season. Mm-hmm. Do teams get a pass for that because we've had so much time or because of the pandemic, or do we look at it and say you've had a you've had a month and a half? Why are you doing that? I think it's I think a lot of the 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 thoughts around that for me are they're they're in games where you know this is the first second game of the season against other teams that aren't their own right around this massive crowd. So I think it's it's right. the jitters regardless that are going to get to people, especially given that you know a lot of people might very well be worried if they're at where they want to be at. Especially if you're an NFL prospect, you might be worried about somewhere in the back of your mind. I would I would imagine most of them are worried of about did i get to train myself hard enough am i at the level that i wanted to be at that i said that i wanted to be at prior to all of this um some of them might be worrying i mean i would i personally would worry about that so we might see more mistakes because of the the overall uncertainty already but then coming in knowing that those this is going on. Granted, we likely, for the most part, will see decreased attendance in most of these places um, outside of a few exceptions that I can't think of right now that have uh, or haven't set attendance limits. Um, Iowa State says we're going to play with with, uh, with fans. I think they're going to half it. Yeah. And Texas is going to try to half it, too. I think I think with all of that, I think just because of the situation, you, you're going to see, you're probably going to see at least the same level that we normally would see, but you might see more. I mean, I I would expect a little bit more, simply because of it. I mean, you could argue, yeah, they had more time to prepare, but they're still doing it in a pandemic situation, and you, you don't really know how all of this is going to, you know, affect some of the players. And then, of course. They might still be thinking, well, what if something happens and we lose the season half or two games in anyway? Um, th- there's a lot of, of uncertainty in, in some of these aspects, and I wouldn't blame these these student athletes for, for being a little more anxious than usual. You know, I, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how, you know, the NFL completely eliminated preseason, and they changed how uh, – 
this stuff is working in terms of virtual meetings, and they're not getting on the field until like August, mid-August, or really when preseason game number two or three would be taking place, depending on how the season ends up, like what the calendar says. So college football has a different uh, – I don't know how college football is doing in terms of you know, physical, on-field on stuff like that, but I do know this. To take people who are so routine-oriented – and they have their own kind of, you know, coaches are control freaks. And I, I, I'm sure people would say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, p- coaches are control freaks. And so when you take something that's completely out of their control and you say adapt to it, that's both a challenge and it's a, oh my Lord kind of moment. So I wonder how coaches will take a look at this and say, okay, particularly new coaches, who are trying to establish their own culture into a program and are trying to go, okay, here's the situation. Here's what we've got. And we have to adapt to this. And we're trying to install our system, trying to install our culture. And we can't be on, we can't be hands-on with our players. We have to be virtual. We have to do all this. And it's going to be really messy that first few mm-hmm. weeks. Let's just be honest. It's going to be messy. It's going to be sloppy. It's going to be games that you go, what the heck did I just watch? But it's going to be football. So we're probably going to be okay. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. College football is a sport that is built on atmosphere. College football is built on that. Upsets are a part of it. Nothing is more impressive and, and awe-inspiring in some ways than to see someone walk into a ranked team's building and beat them. Appalachian State beat Michigan in the big house was silent. The kick six in yep. Auburn. Uh, the Auburn fans were going crazy. The Emma fans were just sitting there going, what the heck just Man, happened? was that fun to watch. That, yes, it was. Here's the thing. That is what college football is built on. And when you take the bands and the, and the fans out of the stands, and I'm not trying to write a song here. I'm just saying it. Uh, uh, if you take the bands and the fans out of the stands, I'm going to say it again. Uh, if you take those out, what do you have? You've got a miniature NFL product is what you have, or a grown-up high school product, depending on what you think of your own mm-hmm. program. So the question – and football is a sport where the location of the game does not matter in terms of the actual physically playing the game. It's nice to have a crowd, but it's not like a racetrack where there are different dimensions and different lengths and stuff like that, different banking. It's not like in golf where the course changes every time you go around. It's not – like baseball, where you have different field dimensions in different and different stadiums, it's still 120 yards long by 53 and a half yards wide. It's still the same football field as it is the NFL, as it is in college. The only difference is the timing. So here's the thing: I can go to a I can go to a peewee field and play high, play a college football game. I don't have to have 100,000 people screaming, but I have yep. it. So that's going to be that's going to be really interesting to see how players adapt to not having people there to either go for them or to shut them up when they're going against them. Because the whole notion of someone walking into another, another team's building and beating them kind of goes out of the wayside if, uh, if there's no fans there because it kind of gets kind of watered down. Yeah. yeah you you kind of lose some of the excitement overall of coming into, you know, Appalachian State coming into Michigan and beating them when no one expected it. You, you kind of lose that, that hey, ha-ha, I, I just did this in front of all of you, eat that, and then walk away into the sunset. They still get to walk away into the sunset, but they might not have as much, 
yeah. I would lose some satisfaction over not beating a top team that I had no business beating in their own home state in front of 60, 70,000 people. When Michigan State beat Michigan a few years ago when they had that blocked punt at the end mm-hmm. of the game, imagine, you know, the big house went silent again. I'm sorry to, be, uh, to gang up on Michigan guys, but they come do, on, they you do know, it to themselves sometimes. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But here's the thing. In the Appalachian State game and the Michigan game and the Michigan State game, the big house went silent. The big house will be, will be silent anyway. Uh, presumably this Big Ten season. So if Michigan State walks in there and beats them again, you know, what does it matter? If Michigan finally beats Ohio State in the big house, and not in the big house, in the horseshoe, will it really matter as much? It still counts as a win. It's still a big win, but will it mean as much because you didn't beat them with, you know, the whole horseshoe going crazy at everything you do. I can only imagine some some fan or some player even is going to say, oh, yeah, well, you didn't beat us at full capacity. I, I can only imagine that being an excuse. I can imagine oh, people you know using it. that as an excuse for, for why the team came in and beat them. It's just the nature of a pettiness, I guess. On a West Virginia note, I'm dreading Oklahoma coming to Morgantown without a crowd. That won't go well. No, that's the crowd in, in Morgantown for sure. Is if there's ever a crowd that can have an influence on a game, I've been in multiple games where that has been the case at WVU, and it's been insane. When when we beat Kansas State fun. for the first time, that oh, one yeah. was fun. Clemson goes to Virginia Tech in the uh, new ACC schedule, and I'm just thinking about how it won't be the same without the hokey crowd going crazy for uh, Enter Sandman and then and then Clemson going in there. Dabo got the boys ranked number one in the country and it's like, oh, Fuente's trying to get his boys back and it's just, there's something you lose in that because yeah, that storyline will still be there. Clemson will probably be number ranked number one in the country or number two. Virginia Tech, you know, depending on how the season goes before them, will probably have a decent record. So it'll be a good team versus a national championship contender. And then you've got, you know, there's something you lose in that because something about playing a night game at Lane Stadium, a visiting team should never, ever, ever look forward to that because they've proven too many times that that does not go well for you if you come in there at night and we are really fired Mm -hmm. up. It doesn't go well at all. There's several places in the country where that happens, but Virginia Tech is one of those where you go, night game there, Uh uh-uh, I don't want any part of that. Sorry, can we get this game moved to noon? Can we get this game moved? I don't want to play that. You know, there's another debate that I'd like to have, and it appears Joey's having a technical issue. Uh, but I, I, if he joins us again, if his mic works, I'd like him to join in on this. If not, Darren and I can have this discussion again. So there's been a lot of conversation, well, not a lot, but there's been some conversation about moving the FCS season to the spring. And that qualifies into the general discussion of what will a college football season look like? Because I don't think you're going to have, you know, the the group of five has no reason to play. They just don't, Uh, especially if there's no bowl game. So here's my question then for you. Again, if if Joey can join us, jump in by all means. If, If not, Darren, we'll just go through this and we'll wing it. Here's my question to you. FCS playing in the spring. Actually, I should amend that. FCS Division Two, II, Division Three playing in the spring. 
what says you? I I still think even coming back to to before where I was I was concerned about the potential effect it might have on some of the on some of those those um, FCS schools that are the players that end up being drafted, like how it might potentially affect um, things, depending on you know where how far the seasons go, right, um, and things like that. Uh, I. I I don't think it'll have that much of an effect, but I still, I still figure it might have some sort of uh, effect. Um, but I, I think also, like you mentioned, it, and I agree with, it does p- give the potential for some more TV exposure for these, for these schools. Um, we won't get to see the giant, giant, exciting games of, of you know. E- What's an FCS school that comes to mind? I don't know anymore. Uh, James Madison, North Dakota State. Yeah, there we go. Let's, Weber let's go State. With those guys, even though Maine. Um, <laughs> you won't, you won't get the excitingness of those guys coming into the FBS and playing, which a lot of people might not be excited anyway, despite the the awesome upsets we've had over the years. But um, on the flip side, you won't get to see Alabama whipping up on what seems like five of them a year. I, I swear I, they probably don't play that many a year. I know they don't, but it feels it, they play, they play like they it play genuinely like two. feels like all they do is whip up on on teams who have no business playing Alabama to begin with until Alabama plays the SEC. That's maybe not necessarily Alabama's fault, but that's just something I observe, and it always it always kind of annoys me. Uh, that's another discussion, though. Um, but. We can have that if you want. <laughs> um, but I, it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. I think the the idea for me, uh, and this is something we've tried to fill that void with for ourselves over the last couple of years with the the failure of the AF uh, the AFL and um uh, the AAF. AAF yeah the failure of the, the, the failure of the AAF the when we when we joined in on the Screaming Eagles back in the a uh, couple of years ago um, trying to fill oh, the void with spring football trying to get that void filled and i think at least for us in our own little you know excitement of having football year round um it would be fun to see because then at least for me i i know uh, for sure i'm the first one to admit that i'm not as well versed in a lot of these you know uh, teams uh, and i don't know as much about how they work um as some other people especially you um I was going to say me. And I think it would give me the opportunity to, to expand more into that and understand a little bit more of the workings of some of these other schools. And also, you know, we'd also get to see more – those NFL prospects would probably get a little more exposure. So it might – it also might help them um, boost their resumes. Uh, but I, I think it would be exciting to have the possibility in my own selfish way of uh, having football seemingly year-round. Um, but it would, it would be still be kind of interesting to see how it would be navigated, um, and you know when it would start, when it would end, what implications it might have for the NFL draft and things like that. Here's a separate. Here's a separate uh, ramification. The FCS has awards just like the FBS does. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the equivalent of a Heisman. I forget what they call it, but these, it's their equivalent of a Heisman. You would. We all know that the that college football has an awards ceremony in Atlanta in like in in mid December, and the and they have the Heisman ceremony. Imagine giving the FCS schools 
a chance to have that same treatment in like May or April or June or whatever. Wouldn't that be great to say, hey, you played a great season, had a good set, had a good campaign, good, played well, and we're going to give you time on the spotlight. And here's the thing. Don't tell me you wouldn't have uh, decent ratings for that because unless you're going up against the NBA Finals or the Stanley Cup Final or something like that, you're probably going to have decent ratings because unless it's something really big like that and they're not crazy, they won't schedule it then, uh, unless you're going up against that, you're probably going to be fine. People want football. And when it comes to having a, a college football team at ESPN or FS1 or whoever has it, when it comes to having that on your TV, those guys give you a lot of ratings. People love their college football. And, and here's the thing, especially when it comes to the FCS, there's a lot of FCS fans that don't talk a whole lot about their teams because they kind of get uh, pushed to the mm-hmm. side. I'd love to have those people be more vocal. I'd love it. I agree. So we talked about Alabama playing uh, FCS schools. So this is in 2016 from this article I'm reading from Saturday Down South. Uh, in the past decade, 2006 to 2016, Alabama is was 10-0 with the average result of 45-6 tied. Yeah. Jeez. That is, uh, that is not the biggest – actually, I guess it is. It's the one of the – so the average score, Missouri ten and zero also fifty to nine is the average score of a Missouri versus an FCS game. Schools at this instance that lost to FCS schools are South Carolina and Ole Miss. Those are the only schools in the SEC at that time, oh, in Florida, uh, who lost to, F- to FCS schools. So here's the thing: if if you're getting people, if you're getting score lines like that, what's the point? And here's the thing: I know people are gonna say, "Well, you know, the pay, the pay that be, these these uh, pay for play games are what, excuse me, are what pay for these people's athletic departments," and that's not untrue. But if you gave me a respectable TV contract a- as a reward for playing in the spring, that helps out a heck of a yeah. lot. The risk reward for that is completely it is completely unbalanced toward reward. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, I found the name. Uh, I think the Walter Payton Award is what you're looking for. The FCS. Mm, uh, Jimmy Payton Garoppolo Award. had won it. Uh, Tony Romo won it. Both Cooper the, Cup. Both the uh, Eastern Illinois. Yep. Cooper Cup was not at Eastern Illinois. Cooper Cup went to... Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington, that's right. The Red Field. Mm-hmm. They have a red field up there. What is it with schools out west that have fields that aren't Green. I have no idea, but I like it. Boise State's blue. Eastern Washington is is uh is red. You know what Eastern Michigan's field mm. is? Gray. Interesting. It's gray. I will show you a picture when we are done recording. But it is a gray field, and if it's a gray and dreary day in in Michigan, it looks really really weird. Hmm. But not the point. The point is that uh that is the name. I I believe Walter Payton played in HBCU. I want to say that, but I don't remember it exactly. Let's see who can get it first. Uh, he played at Columbia. Oh wait, no, that's high school. A Jackson State. Yep. Yep, that's it. Uh. 
so yeah. Yep, that is it. Nice. So yeah, that's wow. Uh, they've got actually quite a few guys who who, uh, who played at uh, who played at uh, Jackson State going to the NFL. They have a lot of them actually. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Are there any Patriots here that we can uh, use to justify this uh, venture off topic? Because <laughs> this is really not what we talk about. Here we go. John Outlaw, defensive back, class of 1968 uh, in the NFL draft. The Wing the Patriots, 10th round. So there you go. Nice. A lot of guys, we don't know who they're talking. We don't know their names, but. Yeah, that's just we're not we're not Jackson State fans, and we're not gonna act like we are. But that is that is it. So, well, you know, I, I, I we're gonna let's see, Joey. Nope, Joey had a mic issue. Apparently, his mic went out halfway through our huh. show. Right after, right after he got out, because I and I apologize for that, but we did get his uh, stuff with Lightridge uh, High School, and if he, if such time and uh, and other things permit, we'll try to get him back on. Because well, number one, I think he's a really good voice to have. Number two, uh, I kind of feel bad for him being shortened for him being shortchanged by his mic. You never want to see that happen. And that's something completely out of our control, something completely out of his control. No one could foresee it happening. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, things happen. And I really, like I said, I really do feel bad about it because, like I said, I, I think you agree with me. He, he was a good he was a good voice to have mm-hmm. on. Well, I, I as much as we want to, I want to continue the, uh, the debate and I want to give him a chance to get back on the realities we've been asked to talk about. We don't have any more topics. And, you know, as much as I would love to go off the back of my hand here, I just don't feel it to be right. Yep. You know what? Actually, there is something we can talk about. We can talk about this idea that I came up with. Uh, I was thinking about the other night. So we know how the NHL is doing the uh, bubble in Toronto and Edmonton. And we know how the NBA is doing the bubble in, in uh, Orlando. How would you feel about an NFL bubble, AFC and NFC, in two separate locations? See, as opposed as opposed to having a game at Gillette and then going out to Seattle and then coming back to Gillette and then going to Miami. Cutting out a little bit. So you, what I think I heard for one part was an AFC NFC bubble. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Instead of because there is no Eastern and Western Conference, there's no natural uh, division. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'd have to go either you have to either you have to either say AFC and NFC East and AFC and NFC North and then South and West, or you'd have to go you know, find some way to do that, or just say AFC NFC. Because again, football does not require an individual an individual special field. It requires a football mm-hmm. field. At 120 yards, you can play a football field. Yep. That'd be be interesting. So so it would be like what the the AFC East all played in one area, isolated. They did their their division schedule and then and then or, No, what I would Yeah. The entire AFC mm-hmm. 
So you you break the AFC into like let's say Boston. Let's just say that's where it ends up yeah. being. Then the NFC would be out in like Denver. That's not an NFC team, but let's just say that's where they end up taking. Mm-hmm. So it would be the NFC because that's where the majority of your games are being played anyways in conference. You're not playing non-conference games. You're playing for those yep. a year. We both sat here on this show and in conversations and said if the NFL cut the season, the non-conference games would be the first ones to go because they're the least important. Mm-hmm. So if I told you there are 16 teams in each, uh, in each uh, uh, league, in each conference, 32 weeks. If I told you you were playing a 15-game schedule, you played every team in your league, and that's just 15. And I don't like the odd number, but it's the it's would be what would have to happen yeah. over the course of the fall, or even just play 12. You play. Uh, anyway, we could figure out the the uh, the uh, specifics later. But the point is that they would have two bubbles, and then the Super Bowl would be played uh, at a at a neutral site. Or you pick one of the bubbles like Boston or Denver and say, here's where we're playing the Super Bowl, which neither of those is really great for mm-hmm. that. But again, you know, maybe move the bubble to like Texas or whatever. Anyway, the point is this you move, you do that. As it eliminates the Patriots going to Seattle and they're coming back home, yep. and the Dolphins coming up from Miami and going to Boston and the Patriots going to Seattle. It eliminates all mm-hmm. that. And it's a professional sport. You can make professionals do a heck of a lot more than you can college kids. If you put a college football in a bubble, you would have so many problems with that. You would never get off the ground. The NFL, you can. I, I, I'm not saying it's not going to happen now, but I'm saying I, I was thinking about that the other day, and I'm like, you know what? If it came down to it, it might be worth looking into this. Be quite an interesting, interesting uh, a model. I, I can't can't think of anything that would be inherently detrimental to it right off the bat. That doesn't necessarily mean there isn't, but I can't think of anything right no. now. Yeah, I mean, it, for, well, for one, it makes uh, testing that much more streamlined because you're not trying to ship out testing equipment to 32 different locations. Yep. You got them all, you got two, mm-hmm. 16 and 16. You would eliminate the cross-conference games, which means you wouldn't have like Cowboys, Steelers, or Patriots, Seahawks, or 49ers, Broncos, or whatever. And that's that's not really that big a loss. It just isn't. You know, you're still going to keep your base around. You're still going to keep Packers, Bears. You're still going to keep Cowboys, Eagles. You're still going to keep Patriots, Jets. You're still going to keep uh, Steelers, Ravens. You're still going to keep all those rivalries. You're just not going to have the interconference games, which again. I'm not that concerned with yeah. I'm really not. I think I think if you or when you're playing cuz if I'm playing every single team in the in the division and I'm or in the uh, conference and I'm, I'd assume I would just play them once, right? So yes, I'd play all of them once. Um when you come down to it, you really would have the the feeling of who's the most dominant team in the conferences. You, you generally always do end up having that uh every year anyway. Uh, I'm not saying you don't, but I think you you'd get an even better feel because I came in if I'm 13 and three or 13 and two, and I came in and beat every team in the conference, and I'm number one. Then you you really are saying, yeah, I'm number one in the conference for sure. And I'm not det- I'm not held is- back by the fact that I lost to you know I lost to Green Bay in a game that 
it it does affect your 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 standings potentially, but it it doesn't mean you that's how you're going to play against the AFC. For Here, here's the thing too. Uh, here's the thing. Baseball did this for a long time before they went to divisions. They actually had the American League, National League. It was just top two teams in the, in each league playing in the World Series. That was how it was for a long time until the division era. So it's not unprecedented in American sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is this. You're right. If I've beaten every team in the AFC, I can pretty much tell you I deserve to have that number one seed. I can pretty much tell you that's how it's going to happen. So you're right. If I'm playing in a game... And I know, you know, if I'm looking at this, I'm 13 and 2. I can say beyond any doubt that I deserve to be where I'm at. And if you're a team that avoids the Patriots, avoids the Steelers, avoids, uh, avoids the Ravens, that's a big break for you in the AFC. That will help your record out a lot because if you're kind of on the bubble, like 8 and 8, 9 and 7, 79. And you avoid the Patriots, Steelers, and Ravens. That's a massive break for you to not have that game. Mm-hmm. Granted, there's no reason you couldn't win that game, but it's historically been a massive break. So that way, you know, you can't avoid the Patriots, you can't avoid the Ravens, you can't avoid, you can't avoid the Steelers. You have to play them, and you have to go up against them and say, "I'm either better or I am not." It is a simple way of doing it, and not only that, you'd also have a more fair, in many ways, NFL draft uh, uh, order. Because you'd have two and thirteen, three and twelve, four and eleven, whatever. You'd have that, and it would also give us before the seventeen game schedule comes into effect next season. It would have uh, give us a chance to come to grips with an odd number. Yeah, which I'm still not, I'm still not thrilled still about. Be, I don't like the idea of having a not not being able to end the season at five five hundred. I don't either. Just, I really don't like ten and seven. That's not. That's going to be so wrong. I hope this is a front to eighteen because I'm 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 I don't like eighteen, but I'm more fine with than I am seventeen. Yeah. Well, that's our little debate. I just thought I had that discussion. Now I meant to add it into general, and I just forgot about it. But that is the show. And again, uh, I will talk to Joey about uh, coming on again. Uh, I, I apologize to those who were hearing and enjoying his. Uh, his uh, his commentary and his thoughts because I thought they were really well thought out. And since he can't respond to me because the mic's broken, I'm going to say something like Bill Belichick, uh, which he did because it was it was the canned response that any coach should give, but Belichick has historically been known to give the canned response and not care what anyone else thinks. Uh, that's just how he operates. Mm-hmm. But I really did thought I th- I thought Joey handled himself really well, and I I can't wait to have him on in the future should it should time and. Everything else allow. So until next week, Darren and I will be back. We're going to try, at least I'm going to, to look at more guests because I think having a guest is good. But if that's going to that, we'll be back next week anyway with another show. Until then, and for Joey Ray, who unfortunately is not, is not having a working mic, and Darren Shrewsbury Jr., who does have a working mic, <laughs> I am Lucas Berry saying so long, and thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. Darren, take us out. Stay safe and stay sane, everybody.